And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror! <laughs> Hello, fight fans. Sometimes it takes many, many, many years of my people will talk to your people to set up a good fight. And yes, I know that both parties are both technically dead, but that never ever stopped them from selling tickets anyway. So, finally, I'm off to the fight of the century. Well, last century anyway. Yes! It's Muhammad Ali versus Andre the Giant! Hello and welcome to the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. Uh, this month we've got the movie that that sat as people were thinking maybe forever in development hell but finally clawed its way out of the ground in 2003 and that is Freddy vs. Jason I am Chris Honeywell and I am here with the rest of the gang I got them Jake and Eddie brothers them Jake and Eddie boys them Jake and Eddie boys how they gonna get out of this one and we got uh, Luke Jason Luke Jason Eddie (laughs) dude that goal Dude, that goalie was pissed about something. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got Jake and Jason Eddie. <laughs> Welcome to my world, bitch. I can't do what you make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, we've got the dear. second hero, the 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 amazing two-headed Chris transplant, um, Chris Tyler. <laughs> got your nose. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is going to be a fun... This was a fun one. Do you want the backup line? I had one just in case. Oh, yeah. Ready? Okay. Being dead isn't a problem, but being forgotten's a bitch. Yeah. So, that's from the open. Yes. That that, that was my backup line I can't come back if no one remembers me. I can't come back if no one's afraid. Right off the bat, right off the bat, let me say, as I'm sitting in the theater watching this, it was the Sunday of opening weekend. We are in... Anderson, South Carolina, right off exit 19B off of 85. Uh, on the, at the frontage road? No, not in the frontage road, <laughs> but at the, at the at the Starlight the Starlight Theater where I saw many, many movies when I was going to Clemson. That, that was the first run theater we'd go to. It's a packed house on a Sunday afternoon. That means after church, everybody went out to go see Freddy vs. Jason. Okay? And 
Freddy says that he's spinning around dying no I can't come back if nobody remembers I can't come back if nobody's afraid and suddenly it's like holy shit they just explained the part of A Nightmare on Elm Street 4 that didn't make no damn sense and here we are thank you so Continuity. so like 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 Chris said um, this movie sat nearly 20 years in developmental hell um, being um, trying to get it all worked out there were 40 different directors considered for this film right That's there are at least right there are at least there are at least 15 full different scripts written for this film the one the original script way way back in the peter briggs's draft which is considered to be the first real one was actually all about the kids from friday from the nightmare on elm street series and the parents coming together and it was all lining up everything in continuity. So everyone who was still alive, all going in continuity, and they were then dealing with Jason. Other scripts included uh, David Shaw, who is uh, known for his, he's one of the major splatterpunk writers of the day. He's the one who came up with the Fredhead cult. So if you ever hear anything about the Fredheads and the 13 demon souls that need to collected, that's all on him. It sucks. The one that dry, that I think um, was probably the craziest one was the one where um, Jason Voorhees is arrested and he's put on trial, and it's all about the defense attorney. Uh, that's the that's the main crux of the story, right? And the the um, they had what do you call? It? There was also several different ones that took, that took scripts from parts of different ones and melded them into one script. And the one that eventually, it was eventually Mark Shift and uh, Damian Shannon who wrote the script that eventually turned into uh, the movie we see here. They, I mean, there were some rewrites post them, but uh, of them working on it. But just so, because if you watch uh, the Crystal Lake Memories uh, section on this and the um, Never Sleep Again section, they're different, which is crazy because for, uh, 1428 made both of the documentaries. Um, there's some little crossovers that you you hear all these different stories like the one where they were like well we, we, we we're they're at jason's grave and it says you know born whatever died this year crossed out died this year 81 crossed out 82 crossed out 83 and had 20 years listed like some were trying to make fun of it somewhere the one i love i mean to me the the best one uh i mean i love the idea original idea of having it all tied completely to the kids and now they're trying to live somewhere else and they're remembering freddie and stuff like that the one where um, J- Jason and Freddy, whatever else is going on, and there's uh, and um, almost every one of them had them sucked into hell at the end, where they're right before they actually fight. So you never actually get the Jason versus Freddy fight. Pinhead shows up and goes, "Gentlemen, is there's there a problem here?" And the idea of being the because uh, that took off on the idea of that Jason and Freddy were both assassins from hell. And the devil brings them both to hell and says, okay, in, you, you have to collect as many souls as you can in this amount of time. Whoever collects the most souls becomes my assassin on earth. The other one is banished forever. And like th- this, is, this is what I'm saying. 20 yeah. years of people throwing everything yeah. they could at the wall. Yeah, T- two decades of overthinking the simplest concept in film history. Right. Well, but the thing is, and, and that's exactly that's exactly what Shift and Shan, Shift and Shannon, the, the guys who wrote this, they said, 
when they got it, they said, okay, so we said, what do we not do? And they made a list of everything they were not going to do. And they made sure they didn't do that. And they just took Jason as we know him pretty much. And Freddie as we know him pretty much and let him fight. And that's what Jeffrey Katz is. Je- Jeffrey Katz is very responsible for this movie happening. Um, he worked at New Line. And he, he you know, 94 or so, when he first read the, the first draft, he was in high school. And he managed to go to, you know, get out of high school, go to college, drop out of college, go to New Line. And he's the reason this movie got made. He was the major push. He's the reason why Ronnie U is there. He's the reason a lot of this stuff happened. But it's true. Instead of just taking the simplest goddamn idea in the world, Jason fucking Voorhees and Freddy Krueger and putting them head to head, they tried to come up with all these different ideas. You know, like we're not we're not asking for you to write an Academy Award winning movie. We're asking for you to make write a movie that's going to make a lot of goddamn money, you know, <laughs> and be so, cheap. Yeah. Well, the thing is, and, and this is funny, is that, um, you know, the, the if you think about it, New Line Cinema, which is the house, you know, Freddie built New Line kind of thing. They would make these movies, you know, in the 80s and stuff on like a million dollars, two million dollars budget, you know, these crazy small budgets. Right. By the time we got to the point where Jason vs. Freddy's coming out, it's ready to 2000. New Lines, what they they considered to be, um, you know, a, a small major kind of thing. It was like they their movies were 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollar budgets. And it's like those, you know, they were no longer making the little, you know, $3 million movie that, you know, went up turning a huge profit. So their movies had to make a much bigger profit. And that was one of the reasons why they eventually got, um, you know, New Line no longer exists. It got absorbed in and the whole everything else. But part of the part of the thing is, if you think about it, all those people at New Line, you know, everyone that Bob Shea hired to do whatever. If you look back, and we've talked about all the different movies in this series now, because let's face it, this is the really the true end of the real Nightmare on Elm Street series is this film, because this is a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Oh, absolutely. I know, I know it's included, right, in the, in the Friday the 13th box set, but it is truly a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And this is truly the end of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. The remake notwithstanding, this is really truly the end. Yeah, well, and what what I had at, said at the time in my contemporaneous review back on my old GeoCities oh, yeah. horror blog, uh, Luke's Vault of Horror, which I updated for many, many years, I had said this this is a Nightmare on Elm Street film with the biggest guest star you can imagine. Yes. You know? Yes. And, we'll do, and, and I'll, and, let you, I'll let you finish your background, but, th- but there's a lot yeah. of stuff that screams New Line Cinema Nightmare on Elm Street series in this, in this particular yeah. film. Yeah, and then that, yeah, that's what I was just trying to get to a couple of quick things there. I mean, that's and that's a lot of it has to do. I mean, um, there are things that were. Uh, I mean, the thing was like Rob Bottin originally was the guy attached to this movie, and Rob Bottin is uh, he did the the special effects in the thing. He did special. I mean, he's a special effects wizard, and what they were looking at was okay, let's bring in someone who truly knows the special effects game because they're gonna they want to do a lot of physical effects. This movie does not have a lot of CGI. Uh, it has a lot of physical effects. There is definitely some CGI in this film, but there's a lot of physical effects here, and they wanted to make sure they could make this movie and make the movie that people had been waiting for. Because it took 20 years, there was so much hype and so much pressure to make this movie the movie that everyone wanted to be, and they started churning through the directors and different people. And, and you know, as, you know, well... Kane Hodder originally was, you know, that, that was originally the plan was for him to play Jason. And then once they got new line, kind of got their hands on everything all together, Kane Hodder was out. And uh, Ken uh, uh, Kersinger. Kersinger 
is now Jason. And the, and there's reasons behind that. But Jeffrey Katz was very big about the idea of getting Ronnie Yu. Now, Ronnie Yu, for some of you might not know him, that's the guy who did Bride of Chucky. He had just done Bride of Chucky. And whether you like Bride of Chucky or don't like Bride of Chucky, it made a lot of money, a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So that got him the gig here. And Ronnie Yu had never seen, I don't think he even has now, has never seen a Friday the 13th movie or a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, ever. He had no idea who they were. He's not, he's obviously, he's from, you know, uh, China, right? He's a Hong Kong director. He makes those kind of movies. He made the Chinese ghost story, which is a very influential movie and stuff like that. Ronnie Yu is not the guy you would think would get this film. And because he was outside of everything, Bob Shea said, this is the guy. When Jeffrey Katz suggested him, Bob Shea interviewed him. He goes, this is the guy. He's uh, he, he wants to make a movie where he pushed the envelope and he want, because he's not a nightmare fan or he's not a, a, a Friday, you know, Friday the 13th fan. He didn't have any bias one way or the other. He's coming at it completely outside of it. And that's, you know, I mean, I don't mean to bore everyone with a lot of backstory, but this is the kind of stuff that goes into this movie. I mean, I wasn't joking. When we first said we're going to do, you know, Jason versus Freddy, I said, we should tell him we're going to do Jason versus Freddy. And then six years from now, give him the episode because <laughs> that's what it is. I mean, that's what it is. This no, I mean, I, I, I remember, man. I, yeah, I, I remember in the early days of the Internet just coming around and the early stuff with like Dark Horizons and Corona coming attractions like I was following this thing, too. And it was like every year there'd be like another update on it and still nothing like it just took forever. But it was just one of those ones where you just try to get any bit of information about it that you could. And it was, you know, just it was vaporware forever. And it just oh, yeah. never thought it was going to happen. Oh yeah, this is one when I remember the first time I saw the trailer on, on I think it's still around apple.com slash trailers, seeing it pop up and be like, no way, no way, yeah. this has got to be an right. April. Is it? Is it? Is it an April Fool's Day joke? No way is this real. Then you watch it and it's like it's real. It's really real. This is the really real world now. It's the it's really like, real world, man. You can't ain't no coming back, man. But I mean, and then and then I, I remember rewatching that trailer. Over and over and over and over. I was just so hyped and so excited for this movie that was really happening. And, you know, I had I had gone through something similar with Jason X because you uh-huh. remember Jason X sat unreleased for like almost two years, you know, after yeah. they made it because they couldn't get a distributorship for it. So I remember going to um, it wasn't ehorror.com was one a site I used to read a lot. That was part of like the Joe Blow Network back in the day. We're digging deep on these old school internet sites here. But I remember the first image I saw from Jason X with Hotter in the outfit he wears in the first half of the film, the first two thirds of the film, and thinking, oh man, this is going to be so boss. This is going to be so awesome. And I remember being so excited going to see Jason X. And then after Jason X, the chatter really started picking up Freddy versus Jason. I'm like, is this really going to happen? Is this actually going to happen? And just when it did, it was like, this is the, this is the greatest thing ever. And I, I said, I went and saw this on a Sunday. I rounded up everybody I could um, of all my friends in Clemson, because I had been introducing all my friends at Clemson who were definitely nerds and definitely into, you know, we played a lot of D and D we watched a lot of anime. I was introducing them into horror amongst other things. Okay. And so we, like I said, I remember watching a nightmare or excuse me, Friday 13th part two, at my friend's apartment 
And I remember my friend Duncan turning to me and saying, yeah, there hasn't been a, a, any death or any boobs in like five minutes. I'm like, yeah, this is early on in the franchise, pal. Got to give it some time. <laughs> and so, so we, we were in, we were definitely in the slasher mindset. So we rounded a bunch yeah. of people up. And like I said, it was a sellout show at like one o'clock on a Sunday. So this, this was, I mean, there was a lot, I mean, maybe because I'm relatively, I mean, Anderson is like I said, right next to Clemson. It was mostly a young audience as you would expect, you know, uh, college kids, that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, that, there was a lot of excitement for this. And I remember just sitting there and I remember there being the trailer for the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I remember saying out loud that Toby Hooper was turning over in his grave and he wasn't even dead, <laughs> which, you know, now well, time has made fools of us all. But, you know, right. the uh, well, the, 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 that's that's another story. There's a, there's something else tied to that, too. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I, but <laughs> OK, so but I but I remember just sitting there thinking as the trailers ended and the new line logo comes up and I do love the new line logo has the. Dun, 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 dun. Cha, 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 cha. It's like, oh, yeah. fuck, yes. Yes, it's on. <laughs> it's on. But I remember thinking, you guys ever see the movie Fanboys? Yes. Yes. Remember at the very end of Fanboys, we say, well, what if the movie sucks? And I had, yeah. the, I remember having that <laughs> yeah. little nugget in the back of my head. What if the movie sucks? And then, but then, of course, within the first few minutes, you're like, oh, no, this movie's awesome. Nothing is going to ruin this. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I saw I saw this three times in the theater, man. I, I was so friggin' ready for this. Mm-hmm. I, like, and it was it was the opening weekend was packed. Like, yep. even people that were clearly way younger than me, that it was probably their first Friday or nightmare movie. Like it, it didn't matter because the, the the cultural cachet for these two characters was so still so strong, you know. Back, you know, I mean, it's only fifteen years ago, but you still weren't that far removed from those series having their heyday. That it was just it, it like oh, some of the best, most raucous crowds I've seen a movie with. Yeah. It was it, I'll never forget that 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 experience. Yeah, the second well, time I I'll saw this, this was at the now defunct. Uh, Astro Triple, which was in which was in downtown Clemson, it was a one dollar theater, and they only got like I said, they only got second run movies because they were a dollar theater. Uh, one of my favorite experiences ever in a film theater in a movie theater was watching Freddy versus Jason at the dollar theater with a packed house of of Clemson kids all screaming and yelling at the theater and all in that. I'll never yeah. forget one guy yelling, "Girl, you stupid!" You know. Uh, <laughs> Well, I'll put it this way. So the budget here was $30 million, which is a huge budget for any of the movies in this series. Oh, yeah. Right? Opening weekend, it took twenty. It, it took in $25 million. It See, almost I, made I've it. Got, I'm on Box Office Mojo, and opening yeah. weekend for per Box Office Mojo was, I thought, 36 Where is it oh. here? Yeah, opening weekend for Box Office Mojo was $36 million, and it opened in number one. Yeah, no, I know it opened I okay. So the numbers I had was a, a budget of thirty million. Opening weekend was twenty five. Maybe that was the not the full weekend. Maybe that was yeah. just the, uh, the, the, the you know the, 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 the partial the, the short open. Yeah. yeah. And then over eighty two million domestic. Over eighty two million domestic. Over one hundred thirty five million worldwide. I mean. And let me let me let me give you a hit with this a little bit. Oh, well, yeah. Well, the, the the multiplier there was was excellent. And then here here's a little bit of more box office mojo. Numbers crunching. Freddy vs. Jason is the fourth highest grossing slasher film of all time. Want to take a guess what numbers one, two, and three are? Uh, 
slasher films. They okay. all came out before Freddy vs. Jason. I'll give you that as a hint. What is that? Oh. Tell you? oh. Scream, saw. one, two, and three. So, scream, one, two, and three, in that order. Yeah. Scream, Scream, two, yeah. Scream, three. So the only one that beat this is the one that had the MTV generation hooked, basically. God. And there has not been a, a slasher film that outgrossed Freddy vs. Jason yeah. released since, and that was 15 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Think about that. Well, That's the younger the generation had been gone. primed on it from TV. You know, we yeah. got it in the movies, and then they got it from TV, and so... You had two generations that were ready for this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. And and it and the thing about this is it delivers. What I right yeah. out of the bat, what I think is great, and um, you know, on uh, well, while we were uh, you know, is is that it immediately to me it's kind of funny because the last nightmare film was New Nightmare, right, which took place in the real world and dealt yeah. with Freddy as this meta textual entity, this demon of fiction. And what does Freddy do to start this film? He looks right at the audience and talks to you. Yeah. Yeah, he's he the MC. Is, I'm the MC yeah. for the show. Yeah. And and uh you know it's 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 welcome to the show, you know. It's uh and and but immediately they show you all the highlights, the Nightmare on Elm Street highlight reel. And my um my mother-in-law, may she rest in peace, was a huge Nightmare on Elm Street fan. And I remember the first time we watched this um, I watched this with, with Barbara. It was on DVD um, uh, at her house. And she was so excited to see the marionette scene from Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Who wouldn't be? But, but she, I mean, she was just like, so excited and so, so bemused by that. And that was the entire theater. As soon as all those greatest hits started coming, it's like, oh, my God, yeah. yes. Here we go. They're not reinventing yeah. the wheel. They're understanding yes. what, what made these characters great. Yes, they're understanding what made the movies great. It basically, instead of anybody, yeah, in, like let's make this a trial of Jay, Jay, blah blah blah. No, it this is, and this also came after you know we've mixed into our culture like the remix type of mm -hmm. culture. So this is just literally Freddie. This is just literally a standard Freddy and maybe having 20 years pass made it better and more conducive for this to be you know to feel new all over again but it's basically a by the books greatest hits of Freddy and by the books greatest hits of Jason mushed together perfectly with almost a mathematical formula mm -hmm. to, of Freddy to Jason, of more Freddy to Jason, because Freddy is more of a, is actually, you know, a character, whereas Jason is just a shambling force of destruction. And they use that, you know, they use that to their advantage, and that formula is perfect. You know, it, no frills, no, no, no trying to be trickier than your average Nightmare on Elm Street movie ever was, because... No, and it's super tied into continuity, like, it, it's... <laughs> that's just, like, icing on the cake, though, you know? I mean, that's just... The, they managed to pull that off just as, like, gravy. It's it's perfect, you know? It's... they. Oh. This is, like, one of the, you know, the best of both worlds. You couldn't... If you take this as the ending point... For, for you couldn't both ask of, for, for better. both of them, yeah. you couldn't ask for any better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, Chris, I, I, you're, you're right because the first time when you know it's um, it's it's Mark and uh, uh, it's Mark and Will are talking, and and he says and they say Weston Hills, and I'm like the first time I'm like did he say Weston Hills? You know, it's like I didn't quite hear it, 
And then sure, Weston Hills, and it's like Hypnosil. It's like, are you serious? <laughs> and, and then the TV is KRGR. I'm like, oh come on! Yep. <laughs> I'm just, doing just right. marking out in the theater. This and, movie and has the... a lot of analogs to I'm seeing right now to Mad Max Fury Road of being in production hell and then doing exactly what it should have done. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, except and you know it didn't sit. In, yeah. about, let me, Mad like, Max didn't sit for 20 years though. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like Fury Road did not sit for 20 years in hell. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it wasn't like they had, no, no, yeah, it was not like 10 years, but yeah, right. I'm saying, but that's what, that's what kept making it worse was, I mean, 10 years was plenty long enough, but that would put that thing out. I mean, it was 20 years of just come on, come on, make the movie. Like, you know, kind of thing. I mean, we knew about it. It it was, it was at least a decade until it actually released from what we knew we were going to get something, but it's like, this has been talked about since the first as, as Robert England says, since the first 14-year-old kid goes, I did, you know, do you think you could take Jason Voorhees? That's the voice he does, and it's hysterical. And it's like, this has been this has been something you've been wanting forever. It is, it is you know, the idea of King Kong versus Godzilla. It's, yeah. you know, it's Dracula versus Frankenstein. It's, 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 it's nothing more than, think about this, this movie is Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. That's what this movie is. Yes. And that's yeah. all it had to be, yeah. you know, kind of thing. So the, the, the one of the, at the very beginning of this film, like I said, right after the Nightmare on Elm Street highlight reel, we get the, what got, I, I, I kid you not, got absolute cheers in the theater, oh, which is nudity in the first five minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Always the sign right of a and quality film. It's, it's some pretty nice they're, nudity they're too. Nice. It's, it's not. Yep, it's nice. it's not. It's it's no side boob. It, it's full on. But the the one. But the thing that I noticed while rewatching this film because I it's been a few years since I rewatched it, but I've seen this movie so many times. It's like it's it's just it's like it's like putting on a comfortable pair of slippers. You know, it's sitting in an easy chair. It's 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 uh, it's it's you know it's like Paul Williams and Barbara Streisand here. But the well, I would say it's like that. <laughs> Well, I'm talking about love is like an easy chair, you know, but uh, evergreen. No, come on, guys. But uh, the, the, I, I, I never noticed this into before. Barbara Streisand and how that was supposed to be comfortable. No, I'm talking about the song that Paul Williams wrote that he won a, an, an Oscar for. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, it's playing right now. Don't worry, don't worry. It's playing right now. Yeah, it's Absolutely, it's playing right now. But Nobody anyway. was going to be able to slip into into Barbara Streisand after James Brown. No, I, that, let me tell you something. The, the only I Barbara heard Streisand Paul Williams was able to completely slip into Barbara Streisand. He's a yeah, little man. Exactly. He's a he's a tiny tiny man who loves eat, who loves uh, sushi. But anyway, um, the the opening he does watch. Watch Paul Williams is alive, and and they, they he goes all over the world and eats and eats eats octopus. It's 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 fascinating stuff. But um, really Paul Williams is not in this movie. Okay, so the, getting to the point I've been desperately trying to make for the last ninety seconds, when when they're doing the little miniature Friday the Thirteenth film at the beginning, which is basically what that is. It's a little miniature Friday the Thirteenth film, and it's the part of this film that is except for the flashback is most like a traditional Paramount Friday the 13th film, right? Because the new line Friday movies are not like the Paramount Friday movies, as we covered way back in Hallowed Antiquity, okay? Uh, Jason Goes to Hell and Jason X are not like, they're not shot like the Paramount movies. They don't, they're not paced like the Paramount movies, none of that. This little sequence is like a little, uh, like, deleted scene from a Paramount movie, right? 
the way it's shot, the way it's the way it's paced, the way the music is done, the way they do the Jason POV on on the the Skinny Dipper. But the the part that I never really put two and two together when you know she is she gets she gets away from and she's in the woods. What do we see? We see the moonlight streaming through the clouds, the harsh white moonlight streaming through the clouds, and it dawned on me. I said, "That's Friday the Thirteenth Six One Sheet." There's it's a visual representation, not an actual uh, you know nod or an actual you know uh, Easter egg, but it is. It's an Easter egg because we all know and love the Friday the Thirteenth Six poster because it's such a classic image. It's the same thing later at the rave when the you know the guy the, the guy from Varsity Blues gets killed with the machete <laughs> flying at him, yeah. and it comes right at the camera. It's like oh okay now it's like the spear gun in Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. Because it's it's these little things like this that give it this this honesty that it comes to that it's not like hey look we're sitting at our holographic chess table ooh look we turned it on it's like no it you it's it's not beating you over the head with it if you don't know that's a reference it's gonna you're just gonna look at it and say wow he just threw a machete through that guy but if you understand that okay the reason the machete's coming right at you and the guy splits blood at the camera if you've if you've seen yeah. you know Friday 13th 3 it all it clicks you know everything about this works because it it doesn't it's it, it's not slavish to what came before but it is in in its own way paying homage to what came before and as you said Chris this is the greatest hits it's like the spy who loved me the spy who loved me is a greatest hits James Bond movie and it's one of the right. best for that reason and it knows, it knows when is. to be goofy. It knows when to be genuinely like tense and creepy and surreal, like you know, like um, Nightmare on Elm Street. And it knows when to be just flat out brutal. And it's bloodier, you know. It's bloodier oh, yeah. than most yeah. Friday the Thirteenth oh, movies. Oh yeah, anyway. the arterial spray in this movie is so choice. Yeah, and and, and like second, even, like they have great like spray out of Jason, where his yeah. blood seems kind of watered down and runny. You know, it's uh, beautiful. And this movie gallons is... of it. <laughs> it and real, I, quick, it, real quick, real quick, hang on, Greg, Chris. So the when Luke talked about the the one the, in the cornfield. The, the right, rave. or as Ronnie Yu called the, the rave, right? Where Ronnie Yu calls it the Confia Massacre. Yeah, that's how I'm like, did he say Confield? It's, it's Con! he yeah, he doesn't pronounce the R in corn. Um, so the, the got the, Ken uh Kersinger wanted to do the burn, they said no because you're an actor this time, you can't do the studs, right. The burn, the longest you can be in a burn suit is about 30 seconds. Think of how long that burn is. It's super long. When they light him on fire and he's burning through the actual cornfield, which they actually set on fire, which is actually super dangerous, right? He comes through there and they couldn't figure out how to keep the, the, the machete lit. They kept trying to f put stuff on it to keep it lit because every time he'd swing it, he, he, they would, it would extinguish itself. All the extras there, because there's, you know, there's, there's like the people we know as like the actual actors and all the extras are there. They didn't tell the extras that they were setting him on fire and he was coming out of the corn. So when you watch that scene, everyone up front who's not a major actor, those are real reactions. They were terrified. Yeah. People were actually running for their lives. They were terrified. Wouldn't you be? This. Yeah. No, it does I not seem that, legal or ethical. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But you know what? It's the best reactions you can get. Sure. Right? It's, it's first take, best reactions. They... 
people like you can see a couple of there's a couple of guys who like almost fall over each other. They are so scared of this giant six foot seven hulking monster on fire coming out of the corn, burning everything. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there because I well, I I didn't you know I didn't realize it at first, but I was like, oh my god, it's so true. You watch it. I watched it again today. I was like, holy crap, those. There are people who are really scared right there. There are people who are acting scared. And there are people who are really scared. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of scary, I I know we've talked in the past about Freddy becoming a character. And he does have a lot of funny lines in this. But he's uh, he's at his ickiest in this one uh, in quite a while. Yeah, I think they sort of got a lot of, like, when he went back to being creepy, like, in the first movie in Wes Craven's, and they sort of mixed the funny Freddy with that, and that makes him even more creepy. Yeah, because his... It's like, oh, he's going to be goofy, and then it's like, oh, no, he's going to be legitimately... Yeah. yeah. His one-liners when he's when he's taunting Laurie are they're not just funny and and, and, and actually in this one they're really not funny because they're so depraved. Yeah. I mean it's right. you know his his line of uh, your your mouth says no no but my mouth says yes yeah like he's genuinely terrifying when he's interacting with her and it's you know and then using her father as a as a way to taunter as well like it's just he's really really upsetting in this but it's and the the, the prologue where we see him as the springwood slasher yeah burning the the doll in the in this and it's like oh god i mean let me let me we've talked i have talked about this before on this show that things involving kids have become demonstrably harder for me to deal with since right. I become a parent, that was demonstrably hard for me to deal with when I when I was in college in 2003. That that it creeped me out. That is, and, and you you understand that you know that that that. I mean, we all intellectually understood that. That's what happened: is that he would kidnap and and do awful things to children and then burn their bodies in an incinerator. But to see it there and to see him keeping a trophy book and all that, it's like, oh, my God, Jason, show up and chop this fucking dude up, man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because you know what? You're you're relatively innocent relative to this guy. Okay. Yeah. What does that tell you? This movie, <laughs> hit some, this movie hit some dark. You had the one girl who's, boy, you know, at the beginning who first saw her boyfriend die. All right. Oh, she gets, she gets yeah, yeah. killed, drugged, and... At the same time, she's got a, a party rapist, which yeah. ties us into our sister movie from Hammer with a rape scene. <laughs> uh, she's got party rapist crawling on her. And then at the same time, she's in she's asleep. So she's got Freddy in her dreams trying to kill her and then ends up getting killed by Jason. So she has every predator in the movie just comes in like basically feeds off her at the same time, you know, and she yeah. ends up dead. It's that's yeah. pretty fucking dark. <laughs> Gib yeah, is played is, by she just Gib turned is, into the say, werewolf. Yeah, I was going to say Gib <laughs> is played by Catherine Isabel, who is Jay's girl from, oh, yeah. from Ginger Snaps. Ginger and Snaps, I love, all of them. <laughs> and Gib wears her red hat. That is a homage to PJ Souls wearing her red hat and Carrie. Yes. Huh. Yes. No, but well, I, I do funny. love that that sleazy party rapist guy, the electro uh, electro rapist as we called him back in the day. <laughs> the glow, glow stick rapist. Oh, the glow sticks. I love that he gets his. I love yes. that he gets his because 
oh, you know, th- th- this guy's having premarital sex. Jason's going to run him through with a spike because <laughs> Jason don't care. You know, he's, right. he's not interested well, in the details. He doesn't just he doesn't care through. that he's Gib getting... is an unwilling participant in the in the coitus taking place. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, he does have a, a purity of purpose. And I love that dude just gets sent flying. It's yes. that is hilarious. The people who get sent flying in this movie by Jason, he just it. I mean, the reason why they 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 didn't want to cast this is what they're saying. The reason they want to cast Kane Hodder was because he was too short. They wanted someone who was really tall compared to someone who was shorter, whatever. Right? I think, but they definitely hyped up the fact that every time he sends anyone flying, they go flying. Like <laughs> there is no like. Like, oh, I threw you to the ground. It's like, I'm throwing you to the next city. Yeah, like, yeah. He just, somebody's he, having a barbecue ruined the next block over, basically. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, real quick, just <laughs> mention this. The the scene, the the, the the death, the bed death, as they oh, refer to it. Yeah. Right? So, okay, right, so here's right? my issue right, right, with this, right? So, and the, the, the guy is a jerk. I mean, her boyfriend is just an absolute asshole, right? But you know what? Right? We all knew that guy in high school. We all yes, knew Trey. That's what I'm saying. We you know, know that guy. We know Trey. We all know Trey. For Trey, man. Um, <laughs> Trey, so man. what happened was the um, there's well, I have an issue with that whole part of it. But anyway, the, the thing is, they the they they that was originally in the shooting script and they shot it and the studio said cut it. We hate it. They said no, no, leave it in. They showed it to the test audiences. It was voted their favorite kill in the movie. And the, the, the studio goes, are you kidding? It's so stupid. They go, but it's so uh, Friday the 13th, bending the bed in half with and crush and breaking his spine. Yeah. And that, yes. like, or just stabbing him repeatedly till his guts are coming yes. out the bottom of the right. mattress. Well, that, well you and, know what that, that is? That, that's yeah. from Bay of Blood. Um, yeah. Twitch of the Death Nerve, right? Death Nerve, yeah. That's, that's what that's from. It's the stabbing through the bed, and that's the other arm. Well, that's also it, Kevin Bacon in the original gets stabbed through yeah, the bed well, like that, doesn't yeah. he? Well, he gets stabbed up through the bed. Up through the bed. Remember, yeah, in Bay yeah, of Blood. The death nerve, it's, 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 yeah, it's through it. It's but down, the other, you know, but it's... It, 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 also, doesn't what? he do that in one of the ones? I'm trying to remember. Doesn't he put a spear through the, Um, He slices the girl in half in my, one of my favorite scenes ever through the tent. That's yes. different. That's seven, isn't it? Seven, yeah, uh, seven. Well, the, yeah, well, the, seven. the one, well, the one that I was, the thing I was, think, I always think about with Trey, um, you know, getting snapped in half. That that's just the icing on the cake. That is fantastic. But here's a guy who is, he's, you know, he gets told, you know, Gib is with him. Nobody understands why Gib is with him. He's an asshole. He treats Gib like garbage. And they go over to someone else's house, and he expects Gib to service him. You know, yeah. And then she, he's not even doing the work. She's doing all the work and say, okay, so this guy who has been taking advantage of Gib suddenly gets penetrated by the machete of Jason Voorhees that he's laid out on his back. Now he's the one being penetrated. Understand this is, this is like Friday the 13th psychology 101, but there's a reason why it works. And with douchebag McGee getting penetrated over (laughs) and over again with the machete, and then killed in the bed. To me, first off, it's a nod, of course, to the death right after Coitus from Nightmare on Elm Street. And he gets you know. bent over in an unnatural way. Exactly. <laughs> he gets, yeah, it's in an uncomfortable place. And we're not talking about the backseat of Volkswagen. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Ben. No, nothing. <laughs> I got it. All rats. The other, the, okay, so but, so yeah. the real the, the real thing here is this, and this is this is what this is if. If there's one thing that bothers me in the movie, this is what struck me immediately. And I, it, they lose power. That's not the problem. They got candles. 
that's not the problem. They're upstairs having sex, and I don't know whose bed. I'm assuming it must be Lori's bed, or no? With the Trey, extra no, Trey, bed. Trey would no. That's got to be her dad's bed because Trey would take the biggest bed. Oh, okay. And it's got a Far bathroom attached to it. It's got a master bathroom. It's got to oh, be the right. master okay, bedroom. I guess so. Okay, yeah. well, fine. But I mean, think some ba- some houses have bathrooms attached to the other bed. It doesn't matter. Here's my problem. She's taking a shower. There's no power. Um, that's not how the water works. I'm sorry. Well, like, no, no, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's if not how hot water on... works. Yeah, she's taking yeah. a cold shower. She, they, they could right. now. You now where you where you live where we grew up. Yes, because we have an artesian well. If you have city if water, no, no. But if you have I city have water, water, I still can't do that shit. No, no. But I, I have I have city water, and I can take I can use the water when the power's out. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so it's yeah, not going to be hot. Okay. Well, yeah, right, it won't be hot. Is, that's how you get air in your pipes. No, you no, don't that, want okay. air in your pipes. You don't want air in your pipes. All the things no. you don't want. You don't want air in your pipes. That's the last it's thing like, she's working, thinking about is the air in her pipes. No, I know. Well, especially Chris, since it's not I'm her house, you know. She, yeah, yeah. Um, it does look like so, a cold shower when she's taking it. I'll give her that. Hell. Hey, hey now. <laughs> well, of course, you can see, again, you know, Catherine Isabella not afraid of showing off her body. Turns full around, so you get a full front. You know, it's a top view, but you can see both her breast and everything. She's clearly fully naked, oh, right? Well, she, That's what I'm saying. I mean, well, she, well, she's a scream queen. I mean, but she's like the opposite of a scream queen because she always, right, you know, but saying, yeah. But I'm saying, but she's not afraid to show off. No, and and the thing is, this is a problem that has has kind of reared itself in other movies. I mean, Tuesday night didn't want her to even be in a bikini in uh, in part four. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. They had to sew that thing onto her, kind of thing. But I'm saying here, it's a situation where, like, you're gonna get naked. She's like, all right. I mean, Twenty I'm, I years have passed, and there's an actress going like, I'm gonna do a nude scene in a shower in a in a Friday the Thirteenth meets Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Yeah. Sign me up. You know, they have people who are yeah. like, the concept well, right, is now a different thing. It's not like, oh, I'm going to this stupid movie and they want me to be naked. It's just like I'm gonna be naked and. And and Jason's gonna kill me. Yeah, want that, right. they no, no, want I, that yeah, on their resume, but, you know. But, yeah. but Catherine Isabella, she's she, like Luke said, she's she's this is she's known in the horror community. I mean, I know she's made movies that are not horror movies. Um, she made a movie that Haley was I was on the Disney Channel. Her and Emily Perkins play the two stepsisters. It's like some Cinderella thing. I'm like, oh my god, it's the girls from some, some uh, uh, Ginger Snaps. And Haley goes. No, this is a just a Cinderella thing. Oh, they're both werewolves, and like, or, or she's a werewolf, and she's gonna kill her. And Haley's like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "It's so much better than the movie you're watching." Um, but I think she's usually she's okay with you know being naked in the film and doing that kind of stuff. At least you know she's done that before in other films, and I think that fits well here. What we gotta remember is you know we always talk about you know the Friday the Thirteenth Friday the Thirteenth movies are body count movies, and Nightmare on Elm Street movies are not body count movies, right? In this movie, there are a lot of people who get killed. One is killed by Freddy. That's it. Right, right. Yeah. It, yeah. Right? It's so staying true to the idea that it's a body count well, film that, if it's Friday the 13th. That's the thing. Jason is, kills everybody. That, that yeah. If they pick this director because he had no knowledge of either of these movies or something, he went yeah. and did his homework and he got it, you know, because, well, like, the formula was, is right. Writers. Yeah, yeah, but still, he he like when he put it, it's it's all put together like he obviously. I mean, the the visual style of it switches from right yeah. w- one movie to the other, you know, 
to the other yeah. seamlessly. Well, what I'm saying is too is that with Ronnie Yu, when you and I don't know if you, I mean Ronnie Yu movies you've ever seen, his his movies when you watch them, he's very I mean he's all about the visuals and the lighting and the color. He he's very into all that stuff. He's not, you know, kind of thing. And he does do his home. I mean, I mean, again, he said he's never seen any of these movies before. It's not saying that he didn't go back and look oh, at. Oh, he, he obviously he, did when once he yeah. got the assignment. Right. Oh, what I'm saying is, so his his choice of colors and his choice of how you light stuff, like I mean, there's no power, so everything's being lit by the lightning while Jason's killing him. There's no other light source in the room. It's the lightning killing. You know, that's what's lighting the yeah. room. Things like that he chooses because it makes sense. Uh, from a horror standpoint, but he also truly believes, and he says this, that he learned on a Bride of Chucky, you don't take the monsters too seriously. He goes, you have to be able to, you know, look at them and understand that, like, okay, but you don't take them too seriously. And at no point in this movie is it, you know, are you trying to, it's, it's never trying to be a psychological yeah. thriller. It's like, never saying, been, they're not like, let's make is. this the yeah. one that, like, could actually happen in the real world. Because that's already <laughs> right, actually been right. done. I mean, you got, I mean, at one point, you've got, you get Freddy playing Jason like a pinball table. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, a tilt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, but then, but the, again, but then that leads, like I said, it's a comedy bit. It's a, it's a one-liner for Freddy. It's genuinely funny to have him yeah. knocking Jason around, but Jason gets back up. Why won't you die? You know, and yeah. that's what the the F thirteen fans are cheering for because the F thirteen fans know you can beat the shit out of Jason. He's not going to stop. Right. You right. know, he's going to keep coming. And so you you get the you know you you get these two characters that are inexorably connected and have been for decades, but they are so different from each other in the way that right. they go about it, the way that their films are made. And so you know the. Like I said, the the um, you know, so much of this film looks and feels like a nightmare movie. We got kids at school. We've got you know a group of kids you know talking about who is this Freddy Krueger character. You know all this. This these are all standard nightmare elements. Right. And so it, right. it makes perfect sense. And then what well, you you got Jason in a neighborhood that's weird in and of itself. Jason yeah. walking down Elm Street, which was the shot, the first shot, Ken Krasinger shot, and that's what got him the job. That they weren't sure on him. They said, we, because Ronnie Yu wanted him to walk a certain way. So they shot that. He goes, that's it. You're hired. From yep. from walking that way. Now, that, that that kind of shambling sort of walk that he does. And that, yeah. which is just cool. Jason Voorhees walking down Elm Street. You know. Yeah. One of the, and then, and I think. Go ahead. And then was, I think that's one of the reasons why, I mean, Kane Hodder never got to actually do anything in the movie. It was always assumed it was going to be Kane Hodder. The talk had always been it was Kane Hodder. To me, Kane Hodder plays the best Jason Voorhees. Like, I mean, I mean, him as Jason Voorhees has a lot of characteristics that, to me, make him Jason Voorhees. The heavy breathe, like the big breathing when he when he takes the big breath in, yeah. you know, like you know when, when he does those things, the way he turns, and then like 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 he he snaps his head a certain way into stuff. Those are Kane Hodder, um, you know, little you know trademarks that he he's even put them into the Hatchet series. When he plays uh, um, Victor Crawley, um, the thing is becomes that Ken. They, they what they really wanted to make sure with with, with their Jason was, that, you know how many look how many times in the movie they focus on Jason's eyes, yeah. right? Because they want it. That's not that's not a Kane Hodder thing. You wouldn't focus on Kane Hodder's eyes, but they really wanted to make Jason more sympathetic than Freddy. 
and that's why Jason turns into the child and whatever, and they showed the backstory. I mean, they Ronnie Yu was the one who added in that Jason's afraid of water. In the script, they never had anything of Jason being afraid of water. He was afraid of getting drowned, but he was not afraid of water. And so by him, the water falling there and it stops him, the idea that Jason's afraid of water and Freddy's afraid of fire, well, okay, that's not 100% true, but that's what he played up there. And by playing that up, it makes Jason more vulnerable, which is so weird to think about in a Friday the 13th movie. Yeah, there was no way. There's no, but there's no way that you could make the hero monster here be Freddy. Like, I just, I, people think of course not. There's just no yeah. way. Like, it, come on. Well, <laughs> well that, the, well, that did you, you know, but you they say that. Had, this is Demon Freddy makeups in this movie. This is where the Demon Freddy makeup came from. Yeah. The scenes where he's in the in the dream where he where yeah. he where he's he's drowning him and he she goes you bitch and he shoots his way up when the water turns red again all the colors that Ronnie you loves right that's Demon Freddy makeup that makeup is specific to that one scene it has become you know, on its own its own unique thing that people have tried to copy other times because they made Freddy look like a demon there. It was purposely done to make him, if you weren't gathering that the child molester who also burned their, burned their bodies was the bad guy. Let's make you not have any doubt about this. You know, kind of thing. Well, and the, the thing, the thing about the fire and water, first off, you know, Lori, who is, uh, we haven't talked much about the human cast, but that's Monica Keeney as, as Lori, who's the, the head girl here. She, she says the line, and it's one of those ones where you slap yourself in the head because she says, Freddy died in fire and Jason died in water. And it's like, of course they did. We all knew that intellectually, but you don't put it together, right? Because you have no reason right. to put that together because it doesn't matter until you put them together right. that you think about, okay, yeah, there is right. a dichotomy there that they're two, that one died in fire, one died in water. And the, you know, the, you talk about the color scheme when they're in, when, when they put Jason to sleep and Freddie goes into, you know, Freddie is Jason's in the boiler room, you know, yeah. and, and we see this earlier when Gib is in the boiler room, the, the bright, the, the bright red filter yep. that's on there yep. in the boiler room. And and the and then when he changes it to water, and then it's the cool blue filter in the boiler room. Yeah. It's the you talk about Ronnie Yu's use of color, doing it in a supernatural environment, doing it in the boiler room makes perfect sense because you know what 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 do you see sometimes with not just um, uh, Hong Kong movies, but we talked about this even on the Italian shows. Like man, they're 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 lit weird. Why is everything green in this yep. scene or whatever? Yep. Here it's it's in a nightmare world. Anything can happen in the nightmare because. That's, you know, it's a nightmare. And of course, the Lord of Nightmares is going to be able to figure out the one thing that might maybe Jason is afraid of. You know, <laughs> right, right. that's his thing. Now, I do want to aside real quick. I'm going to get I know this is I know this, this is going to be a surprise. I'm going to get a little obscure. I'm going to get a little esoteric. OK, <laughs> this movie. OK, this is a crossover between Friday the 13th and a Nightmare on Elm Street. OK, Friday the 13th, part six has multiple songs by Alice Cooper. It's got Teenage Frankenstein yes. and he's back, right? Yeah. Yep. And a Nightmare um, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Freddy's Dead, or excuse me, Freddy's Dead had Alice Cooper as his stepdad, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. So there's an Alice Cooper connection between the two films. Okay. On the DVD, if you go to the scene selections menu, one of the, the one of the scenes, the scenes of the con, the the Confield Massacre. <laughs> Yeah. The title of that scene is called The Life and the Death of the Party. 
The Life and the Death of the Party is an album cut from Alice Cooper's 1986 album Constrictor, which is the same album that has Teenage Frankenstein and he's back on it. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So that's Genius. pretty esoteric, well, even for me. Well, and it, he's it's even, doubly, but he's also on. Freddy's dad, right? You know, kind that's of what I mean. So there is that yeah. connection. And it's also, the, then, now for me, this is a personally a cool thing because that is like, that is actually one of my absolute favorite Alice Cooper album cuts of all time. It's like a proto version of Poison. It's a fantastic song, so go listen. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming that it's cut in behind me as I'm talking right now, so um, uh, that that's how well I know Chris Honeywell. But the just again, it's just weird esoteric stuff like that. So <laughs> carry on. That that that's uh, I, that's well, my Alice yeah. Cooper update for I, well, this but episode. Alice, Alice, Alice Cooper also said too. He uh, he said um, on on the you know because they interviewed him for the um, the documentary. So like never sleep again and Chris Lake massacre. He said uh, he goes yeah he goes they blame me for Vietnam. So I figured they blame me for Freddy Krueger too. You know kind of thing <laughs> like just totally you know. Well, the Lord I mean, of Nightmares. That, that I mean, that was Alice's gig before it was Freddy's. Right. You know, that was his whole thing. Think about this. But Alice Cooper now, like, because I mean, you 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 went and saw Alice Cooper recently, right? You that's, know, that's like, fantastic. Alice if, now, if Alice is playing anywhere near you, go see him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Alice Cooper used to be such a uh, like everyone like parents were terrified. Don't let your kids see this. Like it's so horrible. Like now, it's like it's like so a much Las Vegas show world. Right. They think there's so much worse in the world than Alice Cooper, but there was a time when there was nothing worse. There's nothing worse than Alice Cooper. He'll he'll, he'll steal your children away and make them love Satan and all the other crazy stuff. Okay. That'll work for me. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it was wrong then, you know, it's you know yeah. kind of thing, but now it's 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 like how what do you call it? It's like Well now well now it's a well now it's a family show. I mean, we I mean right, my wife exactly. and I went to the show and there there were families there with kids. And there was nothing in that that, you know, I mean, I mean, if my kids were a little bit older, there was nothing, you know, from a material standpoint that was, you know, really inappropriate. It's it's no different than, you know, a slasher movie. That's basically what his show always yeah. was. And that's that's why he movie fits mixed so with well. A magic, like the old fashioned David Copperfield magic show. Magic show. Yeah, it's magic, yeah. man. Yep. Yep. I just like to point out and also to link it up with its sister movie, Frankenstein must be destroyed. Blake's dad looks just like Alex Jones, the conspiracy theory. <laughs> you know, the the Blake's death has an, another kind of odd callback to the original nightmare. So, you know, Blake's sitting out there, give me some fucking space. You know, he's sitting there on the porch, mourning over his dead dude bro pal. And... Um, so he, he's apparently dozed off, right? I guess he's drank himself into something, into dozing off. Mm. And he's in, he walks out and he's in the yard. Things are kind of weird. And he whirls around and what's there? A goat, yep. which is a callback to the very first, first. nightmare scene. Yeah. There's a goat walking around in the nightmare. That that was one that, you know, I was like, I, I was like a goat. I'm like, of course, a goat. Why not? Why wouldn't you know? there be a goat? Well, because it's a dream. Odd things happen that have no purpose or explanation. Right. All you my know? dreams have goats in them. Mm. <laughs> I also that, that, like that, that, the the yeah. the person you know the the side of me that worked as a library technical assistant for several years loves that there is microfiche in this movie. Yes. Ah, yes. I love the microfiche. Before we leave, we want Balake's death there. When I mean Blake, sorry, did I call him Balake? Um, that's a Aaron. Anyway, no. So for Blake's death there, that has the best when Freddy's down the street and his shadow comes up. Yeah, it's such a cool effect. I mean, I know it's digital. It's such a cool effect, though. 
Like, it's like, wow, how but cool that, is that? Like, And that's a good yeah. way to use digital. It's a, like, Jay, yeah. you've, you've espoused this many times. It's another tool in the toolbox. Can yep. you do that effect with physical effects? Not in, a, not in an easy no. way. Can we do CG to do it? Yes. And it'll look, and shadow can look a little weird, right? Because it's a shadow. Shadows fall in different ways. They don't have mass. Okay. It is, yeah. And plus it's a nightmare world. So we can get away with certain things, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's a great use of that. I mean, again, that's in the trailer. Yeah. So that, that yeah, scene obviously had, like, that's very it's, visually it's, right. jumping scene. And it's something that, that you hadn't seen before. Mm. It's not like it's directly the same as like if his arms had grown long, you're like, oh, that's from part one, uh, you know, whatever. It's it's him. It's him standing there and his shadow shoots down the street. It's so easy and quick that you're like, whoa, it catches you. You know what I'm saying? So um, real quick, I just want to throw this out here before I forget, because I had it lit, written down here. Um, I you know, said Freddie only kills one person. That's Mark. So Mark's brother is Bobby. Right. Bobby is played by Robert Ward. Who's yep. also known as Scott Farkas. Yep. Yes. <laughs> he got yellow uh, eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and this this is one of the things. This this is. Uh, I mean, I have one other thing for the end, but this is a. Uh, I had just like major like notes. I'm like, oh crap! I didn't realize this. So Jason Ritter um, plays Will, right? And that's uh, you know the main Johnson. you know her main guy, whatever. Originally, Brad Renfro was supposed to play Will, but you know oh. Brad Renfro is you know, and originally that's who they um, read with. Uh, when when the original things were done, it was it was Brad's role. It was all set ready to go, and then, you know, Brad Renfro was no longer with us here. So, uh, you know, so the problem became that Jason Ritter came in and he took over the role, and that's because Ronnie Yu said, "Oh," and it, he goes, "Who do I get?" And he goes, "Wait, I know," because he worked with John Ritter on Bride of Chucky, and he said his son is the right age, and he he got him because he loved working with Ritter, with John Ritter so much. He's like, "I'll use his son here." And it's just, and it's, again, it's another, those, you know, I mean, we all know, like, the, you know, Brad Pitt read for this role and this guy read for that role. This wasn't even a case of someone reading for a role. This was someone had a role and, you know, you wind up losing, you know, the person no longer here. Um, but to me, when it's funny, when, when um, Bobby, his scene where he's, he, we only see him in the tub and he's, you know, obviously slit his wrist and he's splaying blood everywhere. There's a whole other scene they do where he's walking in the bathroom naked yes. right wearing just a cock sock as he says um that's what he said he goes wearing the business we call a cock sock um doing and that his, whole life. well no but as i'm saying but he's but and and he's got these prosthetics on and he's trying to like but it, it, the there's things in his arm and some of the things in his arm are bubbling and they have smoke in them and some have blood and some have ooze and he goes he was, you're trying to be all sexy. You're walking, trying to be like this evil thing. And there's five guys behind you on their knees, blowing smoke and pumping things right behind you, up your ass. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, it's just so funny the way he said it. Like, it just catches you. You're like, that's funny as hell. There's so, there's parts of this movie that are cut out and you're like, why would they cut this? It just sounds so cool. And you, when you see these pieces that are cut, like in the documentary and stuff, you're like, man, that would have been a really cool ad. But does that take away from the overall flow of the story? Sometimes you you don't know. You know what I'm saying? You never know. Like how did how did it kind of did it drag the movie down at this point? Did it slow it down too much? Because if you think about it, that whole part there with Bobby, you know, killing himself and Mark and uh, um, yeah, Mark feeling you know so guilty about kind of forgetting his brother, but you know not forgetting him. But it's been four years and all that stuff. That just is so 
Nightmare on Elm Street, and that can, that contained scene where Freddy is killing him, obviously in the dream, and then burns him on his back. You know, he sets him on fire and stuff like that. That is such a different part than anything else with Jason Voorhees in it. And then there's no Jason, obviously, in that scene. But when you realize what else they had in there, it just got, like, sicker and sicker. Like, the blood tendrils that go into Mark's legs on the ground, those are physical effects. The original, them coming up is CG, then it's all physical. And he's like, oh, I had him strapped to the ground. And those things there. And you're like... Yeah, of course it is. Of course, it is. that's what Nightmare on Elm Street movie would do. That's what they would do in Nightmare on Elm Street movies. They would figure it out on you know how they did it, you know, as they went through. So, mm. I just wanted to throw that out there. I didn't want to forget to mention uh, the Brad Renfro thing. Yeah. Um, and then of course Scott Farkas, because let's face it, you know, it's the, cool the other... Scott Farkas in your movie. Yeah. So. Well, the besides Scott Farkas, the other one that that always stood out, at least for me and my friends, was Sherrod the sheriff is played by Gary Chalk. Who oh, yeah. you will recognize his voice if you don't recognize his face? Yeah, he uh, because the, he's, he's Optimus, Optimus Prime. Prime, and he's and he been was, uh, uh, yeah. man at arms on the relaunch of Masses of the Universe. Yep, he's been and in, uh, his, his voice is everywhere. He was on SG One. He and was, he was uh, on. He's in the Nick Fury movie. Yes, he was. Um, you know, he like I said, he he has played his. You recognize his voice, and I love. We'll keep this contained. He says contained about 15 times in this movie. Yes. And it's great. I yes. was waiting for him to say, well, that's just prime. You know, that to be a Beast Wars <laughs> reference because that, that's every, I mean, and, and at the time this came out was when um, Beast Wars had just ended and Beast Machines was, was starting up and he was playing Optimus Primal. And Gary Chalk is beloved for playing Optimus Primal. The reason I think that Optimus Primal is such a beloved character is because of Gary Chalk. So I, I just like having Gary Chalk. He play, he plays a good sheriff, you know, even if he's kind of you know not on the up and up as a sheriff. But he play, he he has that voice to be a sheriff, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the funny part is is that we know that Springwood is in Ohio, right? That's where, and then um, you know, uh, Crystal Lake is New Jersey. So the problem is, um, you know, the, the the new guy, he's like, oh, I've only been here a month. I came from New Jersey, you know, he came from New Jersey to get there. You're like, okay. When they have to drag Jason across the country. That's over, what, that's like 600 miles that ago. That's a long trip, yeah. Well, they originally shot it, and they had them driving through the night, through the whole day and the night. And they were switching off who's driving, because they're all, like, trying not to fall asleep and whatever kind of thing. But they said it dragged the movie down. So now it looks like, hey, we're it's, it's like all of a sudden how Metropolis is right next to Gotham. Yeah. Because <laughs> we can't have them be on opposite sides of the country. Um well, in early Silver Age stories, Metropolis and Gotham City were often located near each other. <laughs> but that was one of the things that, you know, the, the magic of editing, yeah. they no longer are forever apart. So, Well, uh, I, can, I can say this. When they make it to Cramp Crystal Lake, when, um, you know, uh, so, so Jason is, is uh, no, J- Jason is back up. They, they, they are going to bring Freddy into the real world again going back yes. to how they defeat freddy in the original and bring him back in the real world he doesn't have his powers so Lori goes in and she grabs him and the you know they, they they burn her arm and she comes out and she drags him out and now freddy is in the real world and he's pissed because you know obviously he's been taken out of his element well uh robert england has some fantastic full body acting when oh, yeah. he realizes that Jason Voorhees is behind him and he is screwed. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I love when I love when Jason slams him through all the windows and the side of the thing. Yes. Oh, the oh, just wham, wham, wham. 
it's that, so like I mean, Looney Tunes cartoon. It's so yeah, funny. We, we, you know, we talked about this a long time ago that, um, you know, in, uh, in, in Bruce Campbell's book, he just, I think it was Bruce Campbell's book, or it was another, another horror book I read. It describes Evil Dead 2 as hell as run by the Three Stooges. <laughs> yep, this is this you this is right this is basically this fight is basically a looney tunes fight except yeah. they're tearing each other apart and everything else around yeah. them yeah. and and it and they really i mean there's a it's really puts over the power that these two guys have that not only are they tearing bits and pieces off of each other they're literally destroying everything around them yes you know, yeah. that, this fight is fantastic. I mean, yeah. this, it's like this and King Kong versus Godzilla right there, neck and neck. Yeah. Well, this is what everybody <laughs> paid the money to see. I mean, this is what the yeah, marketing exactly. was. They, they they had a weigh-in for the promotional material. Yes. I mean, like a, yes. like a boxing match. It, like, yes. this is why I paid my money. Yeah. Well, the thing is, when 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 Freddy, when Freddy you know, he, she's launching the uh, the... Um, Man the, the torpedoes. Yeah, right, <laughs> so right, right, right. We, yeah. But they're the uh, the 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 rebars. The compressed air compressed tank. air tank. And he hits him with it and knocks him over there. Then, the, but I'm like, that's pretty cool. When he dumps the rebar on him, that's yes. my favorite part. I love that because yeah. that is so the omen. That is. Oh my god, it is. Yeah, times a hundred. What happens? It's just. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not just it's not just a spire. But they and they go right through him, and you're like, oh god! Like, you know, Jason doesn't, you know, he doesn't have pain. He can come back. Like, it's like, but as he's trying to get loose, he's like breaking them off. Yeah. And you're like, that just has to be painful. It's just a really cool scene. Um, you know, I mean, there's definitely the the, the little bit of silliness when um, uh, what's her face, uh, Destiny's Child's left Here. over there. Uh, Oh, yeah, but that's right. one of that's one of the all-time Freddy interactions, though. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but the problem was that's not the way the scene was originally written. They switched the scene up on on set. It was originally written that she says almost exactly what Nancy says from one. I take all the power from. You. I turn my back on you, and she turns around and Freddy's standing. And he goes, "Wrong guy, bitch!" And Jason stabs her right through with the machete. She tries Ooh. to use Freddy mentality against Jason and then she turns around Freddie's standing and he goes wrong uh, wrong 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 guy bitch and, he, and I'm like wow that would have been a really cool scene because I mean as it is she's making fun of him and she's like she's making fun of his dick and she's making she calls him a faggot which I didn't like that line does not belong in that part of this I mean I understand why well, they, like, it, it's a I mean that that's that's a different time also you know yeah I'm that that you know that that word was in was used in different ways 15 years ago than it is now. Well, what else would be? I mean, he no, also but saying, he also molested little girls. So calling him I, that yeah, word is going to get his goat. Right. No, I understand that. But I'm saying is like if that if this was a 1980s movie, I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Monster Squad has it in it, and right. at the time, that's what that was a that was something you said in the 86. It's just watching it now. You're like, oh, okay. Like it, it's kind of cringeworthy now, looking back at it, because you're like, that line was never in the script. That was her ad libbing that on the set. So that's the line she chose to put in there, or whoever else decided. But it was, it was pretty much that she chose to the lines they were saying. That they, when they switched the scene around, I think to me, I mean, that scene's funny when Freddie's just kind of like pointing because he, because he's notice. Freddie takes two or three steps back and then starts pointing with his finger. 
Yeah. And she, she's like, oh, no. and then, of course, he slams her into the tree you know, with, the, with the machete. I would have loved to seen her going, I take back any any fear I've ever given you and just really nailing with that scene and turn her back. And Freddie just be like, just smirking at her going, wrong guy, bitch. And bam, with the machete right through her. And then he could have split her in half. Like he could have, you know. Yeah, but we got the how sweet Doc Meat line out of it. So I'm like, hey. And we and we did get somebody split in half because Freeberg gets split in half at the clinic. Oh yeah. So so, you know, obviously that's not uh, that's not what's his face, Jason. It's not Jason Um, Ewell's, but but it's it's an incredible simulation. Right. (laughs) But on on the when you watch the documentary, Jason was like, I remember that time I was in Jason vs. Freddy. Wait a minute, I'm not in that movie. They actually brought him in to do the line, like you know, like talk because. Let's be honest. Freeberg is just playing that. He's just playing, you know, yeah. Jay. That's yeah. all he's playing is Jay. I, they didn't have a Silent Bob though, you know, kind of thing. So, <laughs> it doesn't really work, at, man. Even, <laughs> no, I'm saying, even at the rave, he could have had a guy standing next to him in an overcoat just smoking a cigarette, just for that quick visual would have been really funny because everyone knows what you're doing. Yeah, it's not like no one didn't follow along what you were doing here. Um, but that's a great the 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 uh, the um, Alice in Wonderland theme, obviously there with the uh, you know the worm coming in, yep. and uh, so disturbing when all the kids are sitting up in the bed and they all have their eyes covered. Yes, that one, was a trailer moment too. That's a yeah. great shot. Well, because it hooks you in, dude. If you're like, what the hell is that? What the hell? Like when you're watching a trailer for a horror movie, you got to get some of the gist. But there's got to be like, what the hell, man? You know, <laughs> where's that even tying? I got know that goes to. You know, it can't all just be like, oh, seen it, seen it. Seen it, you know. <laughs> Sam said, "Stand it." Yeah, Sam said. <laughs> oh, but so. yeah, but like I said, just just the the end of this, and at this point, you know, I remember again seeing it the first time. We're just so there's so much energy in the room, watching this that it it's just it's 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 just, it's like a it's like two heavyweights in the fifteenth round. They're just wailing on each other. Yeah, it's like, yep. that's got and chunks are coming off of them. It's great. <laughs> He rips Freddy's arm off, and oh, it's just they're yeah, they're 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 not playing around, and and it's again we're we're back at even though we're at Crystal Lake, this doesn't look like a Paramount movie. This looks like a New Line movie still. It looks yeah, like yeah. a Nightmare movie, which again is fine. I'm 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 down with that. I'm okay with that. But it's it's just odd to see again a traditional setting from the Friday films in a New Line film. But again, they spin it and do it in a different way. I do like that. Once again, somebody is trying to redevelop Crystal Lake. Well, like, that's not going to work, on. guys. That is dude, not you know what, work. dude? I mean, because it's it's lakefront property, Luke. That's exactly yeah. what they got to. Yeah. You know, lakefront property. It's the one. It's like unexplained unexplained deaths are a matter for the courts. You know. <laughs> okay, so so obviously there at the end, you know, we have Freddie, you know, hacking at Jason. He puts the machete through him, and you know, and he coming up there, and he has the machete. He's gonna he's gonna get Lori and and will and then jason puts his own hand you know puts freddy's hand through him and they sink into the lake right and then the end of the movie of course is we now see jason Voorhees come walking out of somewhere could be manhattan for all i know i don't know could be (laughs) amityville i'm not sure where he is but he's carrying freddy's head and of course freddy winks now the original ending of the movie is not that the original ending of the movie they go back you know you're back at the house and here's Will going to deflower Lori because we know she's a virgin, right? And that's Freddie even makes fun of that, makes fun of her for being a virgin when he's going to basically rape her in the dream yeah. before she pulls him out of it, right? And 
there's it's a, it's a sex scene, right? So there she's in, she's not naked. She has a bra on and whatever. But Jason Ritter in there, and they're all making out. Jason Ritter sits up, puts his hand out, and the knives come out of his finger, and he slashes, and that's when the movie ends. And they felt that that wasn't the movie where they end the movie. This we got to kind of tie this all together. So they come out, and uh, they went to you know, Bob Shea. So Ronnie Hughes like, I can't end it this way. And he goes, I got to end it this way. And and uh, you know Shea goes. That's fine. Just one thing. Freddie has to wink. Like, that's a Bob Shea. Like, he's got to yeah. wink. Why? Because Bob Shea is new line. He can't have Jason walking out with Freddie's head. Freddie winking makes you think, like, okay, this is not over. Or maybe Freddie did win, and, you know, just he's playing the long game. The one thing Ronnie you always said at the end here was, he goes, well, I know there's another movie. And he said, I want to make the next movie. But they said, no, we're not making another one. This is it. And he goes, no, I thought I have the next movie. I take the guy from the from the Halloween the se- Halloween series, the Michael guy, he'll come. <laughs> and I was like, Ronnie, you just, his English is so broken. And I'm like, okay. And then when they, they come out and they have, you know, they Jeff Cassidy's like, well, here's what happened was they thought about having Michael Myers, but then two silent killers doesn't make a lot of sense. So... Sam Raimi's like, what about Jason versus Freddy versus Ash, which yes. we know turned into a comic. They actually wrote the script. They spent two years developing the script, working out the details, and it all finally fell apart because, again, New Line doesn't own uh, Ash, you know what I'm saying? But that was going to be what that was, and, and then and Robert England tells us even greater, it's way. Sam Raimi, uh, Raimi comes in and goes, no, we have Ash versus Freddy versus Jason. Ash, will, will, and he'll win, keeping the world safe from all sequels, right, kind of thing. <laughs> and what happened, they developed that comic book, and that comic book, I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever read it. I have, it's, it's pretty fantastic. Good. It's fantastic. It's so good. <laughs> and, and, it's, and, and it reads like a freaking movie. I mean, Lori doesn't last long, like what, two panels, but it reads just like a movie. And you're like, this would have been so cool. But, you know. Well, but, but, but what's funny is, again, Ash keeping us safe from all sequels. They made a sequel to Freddy vs. Jason vs. Yes. Ash. Yes. <laughs> I know. That's, 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 that's what the joke is. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, that now, I guess, um, Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash was published by uh, Wildstorm Dynamite. This is back yeah. before. Yeah, what this is when Wildstorm was still its own. Now, at the, the reason why it's Wildstorm Dynamite is that. Wildstorm at the time held the license to Nightmare and Friday the 13th. In fact, they actually published, we've talked about this before, they published a couple of, uh, uh, they published some some uh, ongoings and a few, um, I think, one-shots and stuff of those two properties uh, in the in the mid-2000s. And Dynamite had Evil Dead at the time. Yep. Uh, I, think, yep. I think they actually did a Army of Darkness comic for a little while. They did. Yeah, which yeah. I've I've I've, I've heard it. different things. I've, I've never read, but yes, Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash is available as a trade. It's fantastic. Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash: The Nightmare Warriors, which is the sequel, um, as a as a very interesting uh, kind of premise, is that the Nightmare Warriors are all of the survivors from the Nightmare and Friday films that get together, kind of like the Justice League of America. <laughs> so it's it, it there, there's a lot of callbacks and stuff. It's definitely more of a fanish sort of of story. But both of them are well, worth reading, right? But I'm saying then but what they did there with the sequel, 
was take the original idea for this movie, which was all of the survivors from this Friday the 13th and the, and the what do you call, were all coming together to try to finally rid the world of these two. So they actually took that idea, and that's when they did the, they did the sequel to that. That's where they put that. I'll tell you right now, I mean, you know, for a movie that took forever to be made, and, you know, I mean, some people hate this movie. They just, oh, God, it's so bad. I'm like, if you're coming to this movie expecting to see, you know, Academy Award winning, you know, kind of acting and whatever, that's not what this is about. Like, this is a fun movie. This, like I said in the beginning, this is Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Yeah, that's what this is. Mm-hmm. With like, Monica Keenan's tits in slow mo at the end. Well, yes, yes, yeah. yes, I agree. I mean, I mean, if they, what, what, you know, we get we get Willa Ford's tits in uh, in the uh, the Friday Thirteenth remake. That's the best, right? When he pulls her up, just let's hold her for yeah. a second before she falls off. Boobs, drop, yeah. you know, kind of thing. So, um, but I, you know what? This is and this is. I mean, to me, this is a, a movie. I mean, Haley has seen some of this. She hasn't watched all this one with me. Because she just doesn't, you know, ever sit long enough. But, you know, she knows who Jason and Freddy are, and she's never actually sat through a whole one of these movies kind of thing, right? But she knows who they are, and she's seen the fight scenes and whatever. I mean, this is the kind of – that's why this movie made so much money. You had all the people who were diehard fans like us, but we're going to see it. It's not a big deal. But the casual fan got caught up in this, and they were like, oh, they're finally making it? Oh, yeah, let's go see it. And it became so easy to pull somebody in. You don't have to know. Anything except tertiary what happens in the other films, like Freddy's in your dreams, Jason's a killer who can't die. You can watch this movie. Yeah. Well, and you even don't, even if you don't even if you don't know that, they tell it to you. Oh, yeah, well, I they, know. They, yeah. you know, we we've been talking, we talked about comics. You know, Jim Shooter yeah. used to say at Marvel yeah. Comics, everybody's comic is so, every comic is somebody's first. Yes. And yes, give you enough information to follow along. They do that. It is set, like I said, this this movie, if you've never seen a nightmare or an F-13, again, I, I mentioned watching this with my mother-in-law. My mother had never seen a Friday movie before. She loved Nightmare on Elm Street, didn't like Friday the 13th. Go figure. But, so she didn't have any background, but she got everything you needed. He was, you know, a kid right. who dropped because the counselors were, you know, busy drinking and, and having premarital sex. And then he's, you know, he cannot die. You're my good boy, Jason. You know, so so that's oh. it gives you everything so you that know, you need. Right. So, you know, Betsy Palmer was actually asked to come back for it originally yep. or they, they offered it to her and she's like, OK, well, it's going to be in the she hated the lines. First of all, she was the lines are garbage. A real actress would not say those lines, what, which is fine. But they actually they offered her almost no money. They basically were like, we'll fly you out here, do this and we'll fly you back. She's like, I'm not flying all the way out there to do this. Like, if I'm going to be part of this movie, I'm going to be part of this movie. They're like, yeah, we'll find somebody else. And it's, again, it, I mean, it's kind of a slap in the face. But to me, I think that works. Having Betsy Palmer there would be great. I think it works really well because the woman is clearly not really Jason Voorhees' mom. It's, it's Freddie. But it's like Freddie's facsimile of Jason's mom. Right, right. Yes. Right? Right? Yeah. It's like, I think that That's works better. That's all you need like anyway. All you need yeah. to do is say the right words anyway, and Jason will yeah. start tipping his head like a little puppy dog. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. It, to me, that that always kind of struck me as like, people are like, oh, it's not her. I'm like, it doesn't matter if it's her. It makes perfect sense that it's not her. Like, this is Freddie's interpretation of what she should look like. And Christ, I mean, what's her face? In part two, she tricks him by putting a sweater on. Yeah. And then he sees yeah. her head. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. Well, you know, again, Jason is, you know, he's, he's, he doesn't have all his sensory organs, you know, so. Right, right. 
And there is a so, great, of course, um, in, in that flashback, we do get the little uh, nod to Friday 13th Part 2 with the, the sack over his head. Yep. Yeah. Which is a yeah. nice, just little quick blink and you'll miss it type thing. Yeah. No, I, I, I do. I, I do. I will say that I did very much appreciate that, even though, again, like you, the first thing I said was, well, that's not Betsy Palmer, you know. But then you know, she morphs into Freddie. I'm like, oh, but I did like putting that in there because that's such an important part. Again, especially those early ones of, you know, because, I mean, uh, you know, Pamela, of course, is in the first one. And then her, you know, in the second one, like we talk about, then there's some stuff with her in the fourth no, one. They yeah. get like a hallucination and stuff. You right? have so, to have Freddie exploiting that stuff. That It's just made to be done. So, right. It's perfect. Yeah. yeah. It's the right flavoring. So, Right. So if you wanted to get just this movie on Blu-ray, you know, go to the Two True Freaks website, click on the Amazon link, follow that over to Amazon for ten twenty-five. You can get Jason versus Freddy. Now, it is it is included in the Friday the Thirteenth box set. Now, I have the Friday the Thirteenth box set on Blu-ray. Of course, I have the DVDs too, Um, and that's called the Ultimate Collection. uh, No, wait, I'm, I'm saying that. Um, the eight movie collection. That's not that one. It's the one in the box. Holy crap, that's expensive. Okay. Um, right now that's going for like two hundred and eighty-five dollars. Hey, I didn't spend that much on it. No, don't <laughs> do that. They, it's at yeah. Don't 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 buy the one for two eighty-five. You <laughs> can get all of them. It, they, they they Walmart has them. Luke knows what I'm talking about. The four movies together and then four movies together. They have them all together like that. Um, you know you can get them all that way. But, uh, yeah, good lord. It says the eight movie collection. The Friday 13th eight movie collection is 25 bucks. Then it says the Friday 13th, the complete collection. That's the one I have. $284.93. I think I, I really think, I think I paid 50 bucks for it at the time because it was brand new that week. Um, but anyway, you know, again, these movies are available. It's not that Friday the 13th movie. And again, if you're listening to this and you're like, I can't find them right now. Wait till we get towards Halloween time. You'll find all of them because they go, they re put them out every year. They can't wait to get them out, you know. Um, but I can recommend this, and this is I know uh, we talked about this before. If you have not seen the Crystal Lake Memories and or the uh, um, Never, Never Sleep, Sleep Again. Again, yeah. Now there are books for both of them. The Never Sleep Again book is is pretty good. Um, the the Crystal Lake Memories book is crazy. It's just, you know, chock full. Crystal Lake Memories and Never Sleep Again together, the double feature, Blu-ray. It's both documentaries. It's four discs. It's, you know, it'll take you two days to watch this thing. About $26, $27 on Amazon. Well worth your time. Um, I love them. I'm telling you right now, it's, uh, I have They're I've like watched... almost three-hour documentaries, aren't they? Or four hours? Well, the, the, the what he calls almost four hours. The Nightmare, Nightmare one's four hours. The Jason Voorhees one's almost six hours. Jeez. Because it covers well, it's it's, it's all it's twelve movies. It's twelve movies and the TV show and the whatever and like it's so in depth for a documentary that it's like just a lot. But it's, but it's got everyone on it, and you learn so much more than that you would ever learn from anything else on the DVDs or stuff like that. I mean, I, I know I've talked about it every time we talk about Jason, uh, you know, a Friday the 13th or a Nightmare movie. I've always talked about them. They, to me, are my go-to. I love them. I will put that on. I have I bought it for on the Kindle that Halloween time. It was on sale for like $3. I will put that on at work on my Kindle. 
and just have the Nightmare on Elm Street one, Never Sleep Again, just running as I'm working on my computer and typing and stuff. And I don't need to see, you know, Heather Landingham talking or, you know, whoever talking. But I just listen to it because it's so interesting. And even though I've seen it a bunch of times, I still get stuff out of it every time. It also, you know, again, I look for, you know, motivation. They're talking about the effects and, you know, Kevin Yeager showing how he did the makeups. I'm like, that to me is the cool stuff. So lots of cool stuff there, folks. You know, um, and and as I said earlier, this this brings to an end the real the real Nightmare in Elm Street series proper. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like the real thing. And to me, if this is the cap for Nightmare on Elm Street, this ends in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. This is, you know, this is also the end of the Friday the 13th movies, even though technically two of them are called Jason movies, right? You know, yeah. the Jason Goes to Hell and, and um, Jason, Jason X. X. Right. This puts an end to those as well. And so that encapsulates two of the biggest, uh, you know, I mean horror franchises of all time, if not the two biggest. I mean, I you can make an argument that Halloween is, is is you know, just as big, but Halloween does derivate a little bit in the middle, you know what I'm saying? These are two of the biggest horror franchises of all time. To have them come together in this movie, which is just, you know, you go, it says exactly what it does, it does exactly what it says on the can. It's Jason versus Freddy. It's just insane. Here it goes right in front of you. I can't think of a better way to end them all together. No. Now, I know we talked about the Friday the 13th, the remake, which I actually really like a lot. And I know we are eventually going to talk about the Friday, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. But as a franchise, and I know people who don't like this, there are people who don't like these movies or they like some and not others, whatever. It's fun. If you look at them all together, this was how this had to end. Mm-hmm. I just sometimes wish it didn't take 20 years to get there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, I don't, and, the, and but even then, the ending is perfect. Because, okay, Jason is in his element. He's in the lake. He has killed everyone at the lake. He's the last man standing. He's even got Freddy Krueger's head. But Freddy's got a few tricks up his non-existent sleeves. (laughs) Because you can never really get rid of Freddy because everybody knows Freddy Krueger's name now. Everybody in Springwood remembers Freddy Krueger now. So I I think that the next film is Freddy's like, you know what, uh, Meathead, go back to sleep. I don't need you anymore. Right, because right. they they are afraid of me in Springwood, and then you know they're gonna they're opening apparently a development in uh, Crystal Lake. Well, apparently a bunch of you know yuppies buying starter homes are gonna get massacred. I guess I don't know, but <laughs> so you know it's 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 almost like I said it's it's such a perfect ending because it's true to both characters. You know, it's the idea that yeah. Jason is back in the lake where he's supposed to be, and Freddy has his power back over by spreading fear of Freddy Krueger. So everyone is, you know, it's like it's over, but nothing is ever truly over. You know, the end is always a new beginning. You know, just yeah. like, you know, four and five in Friday Heavy 13. man. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. So. Hakuna Matata. Yeah, I mean. Hakuna Matata. <laughs> Put your past and you're behind. Ooh. It means no worries. <laughs> Well, though, that's what he says. And, and my yeah. wife's like, that's not what he says. I'm like, he does. He goes, it means put your past and you're behind. It means no worries. That's what that means. <laughs> and he goes, they go, that's such a great line. Everyone missed it. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not as good as the, is, is, uh, woman, where's my super suit? <laughs> I need my suit. You know, kind of thing. Woman. Why do you need it? <laughs> the city is in peril. My evening is in peril. <laughs> 
Don't you go thinking about going off and doing no daring do. <laughs> you know what I love what? about that is that is that everybody loves that bit. And the husbands love one half, and the wives love the other yes. half, and they never yes. shall cross. I am the greatest good you will ever have. <laughs> oh, anyway. Oh god. All right. But, well, now yes, that we're talking so, about the Incredibles. No, no, we're not. We're not okay. starting on that. But as Jay alluded to, this is this does bring us to a close on our coverage of a Nightmare on Elm Street, at least as considered for the original series. Now, as we did for Friday the Thirteenth, we are going to be taking a look at the remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street. And uh, that is, uh, I don't think, I, I, I say I don't think, I have never seen uh, the 2010 version of A Nightmare on Elm Street, um, which stars uh, Jackie Earl Haley, of course. Yep. And um, I am not sure what I'm going to make of this, because I've never seen it. But, uh, you know, it should oh. be interesting viewing, having viewed the rest of them in, uh, uh, you know, the... the f- preceding months and years that we have on this show oh it will be interesting (laughs) before we before we leave i just want to point out this is this will air months afterwards but as we're talking right now the end of an era has just happened it's been probably about an hour since the last episode of ash versus evil dead went out Mm. on the stars yes and now it's been canceled after the third season I personally am a little like, you know, they canceled it, but I'm thinking maybe Bruce Campbell was like, okay, three seasons is enough because he's old and he gives 159 percent. It's just the the ratings just aren't there, man. It's a it was a niche project to begin with. So well, what are you gonna do? As a niche project, it churned out about 15 hours worth of Evil Dead. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that that's what that's what well that's what Bruce Campbell said on Twitter. And he said that, you know, he said nothing but love and thanks to stars for giving me the opportunity to do this many more hours of Ash and bringing it to you. So, you know, it it is some sometimes, you know, you do what you can do and you can't you can't change. Hey, you know, you can't change. You can they change the laws of physics? You know, if I I would rather have it go out on a strong on a strong, you know, just never having sucked. As a matter of fact, there's parts of Ash versus Evil Dead that are better than, you know, Dead by Dawn or Army of Darkness. There's some cra- there's some craziness in Oh yeah. Ash versus Evil oh. Dead and it's true to its to its roots and beyond. <laughs> mm-hmm. So just cheers to Ash versus Evil Dead. Um, I'm, I don't That's know. Sick. I might have to. I might have to milk the last episode and wait till just the proper time to to view it and, and acknowledge that it's gone. But it's been. It has been sort of a miracle for three se- three consecutive seasons of it. Yeah. 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 Just the most insane stuff that you're you're watching on TV. It's, if it's not yep. on that, I don't know what other show would be on. It's on that show. Yeah. So, but. You know what though? But that's again like anything else. Like Luke says, uh, you know, every end is a new beginning. So maybe there's something else coming. Ten Who years knows? from you know? now, Ash versus Evil Dead will not be in obscurity. People will be like, nah, "How course, does this yeah. only last three seasons?" Yeah, that's right. It'll, it'll that's be right. it'll be like it'll be like Police Squad or one of those. You know, that just oh. it, it was it was a niche product, and then in retrospect, it's like, man, that this this is this is good stuff. So, yep, yep. 
But hey, uh, you know what? Maybe, maybe we'll maybe we'll talk Sam Raimi at some point in the future. Oh, I'm and sure. Who knows? Can. Who knows what's going to come up here in the vault? Well, we know what's coming up. As we said, uh, it will be the remake, the 2010 version of A Nightmare on Elm Street. So, um, if you guys, uh, you know, want to uh, want to write in freakvault at gmail.com if you have any thoughts about any of the movies we cover here on uh, the Vault of Starling Monster or Tales of Terror, please, please send us an email at freakvault at wallonword at gmail.com. We actually do have an email. I do want to get to this real quick. Ooh, it's a real quick one. All right. It is Ooh. from uh, it is from Josh Ginter. And uh, Josh, is uh, he writes in with the email subject, The Crazies. So obviously this is about uh, Phantom of the Opera. And, okay. Uh, and uh, <laughs> no, Josh writes, uh, The Crazies. He goes, Dude! And he's got two exclamation points. Just started this episode while working with my headphones on, and the door knocking at the beginning scared the crap out of me. I actually <laughs> thought someone was banging on a door. I called out, hello? Not cool when you're by yourself. Well done, guys. Well done. Signed, Josh. Josh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Josh. You just made Chris Honeywell's day. You that's did. all I got to say about that. That's I am awesome. to please. Hmm. That but was uh, so cool. th- yes, uh, so thank you so much. I'm glad. I hope you like the rest of the episode after after Honeywell scared scared you there. <laughs> now uh, that I know yeah, we so got a skittish stop. one, I'll stop. be trying to put some more stuff in there. <laughs> now that I know your greatest fear, Josh. <laughs> oh no. Uh, but yes, uh, if, so if you would like to be like Josh and write in, uh, please again send an email to freakvault at gmail.com and we will read and respond to your email here on the show. So, guys, any last words we'd like to say about the the uh, the long, strange trip it's been to get to Freddy versus Jason? Um, hey, it's, it's been awesome, man. Honestly, what uh, I'm looking for in in the remake is if this non-Eglund Freddy calls people bitch. That's that's. <laughs> gonna be sort of what I'm judging this movie on is how many times he calls somebody a bitch. Well, That's your litmus test. Uh, well, you gotta, you gotta we, find something to judge on, I guess. What, so, uh, what, yeah. There's gonna be there's gonna be plenty to say. Mm. Yep. That's what yep. I've heard. Well, all 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 I will say I will I will once again bring it back to Alice Cooper and just say to all you listeners have beautiful nightmares on us. All over us. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. 
So you get to shop as usual and help out the two true freaks at the same time. Visit our website at two truefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T W O T R U E F R E A K S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at two truefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. And this is your Uncle Don saying good night. Good night, little kids. Good night. We're off. Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards.